Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan. It's time for Big Opinions, Big Stories and Big Laughs. That's right. Tomorrow's papers in Headliners with Nick Dixon and Andrew Doyle. It's three minutes past 11. I'm Mark Dolan and you're watching Headliners, a comprehensive look at Sunday's papers in the company of two top comedians whose keen intellect and competitive rates made their booking a no-brainer. Yes, tonight I'm delighted to welcome a double act more trusted than Marks and Spencer, more powerful than Black and Decker, and more terrifying than the craze. It's Andrew Doyle and Nick Dixon. <laughs> Lots to get through, gentlemen. Are we well on a Saturday night? Very well. Very well. Happy yeah. to be here with the Dream Team. Absolutely. Very much the Dream Team. Lots of stories to get through. Light and shade, which is what Headliners is all about, plus lots of opinions. Let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages and we'll start with The Telegraph. Johnson frustrated with Sunak over nuclear. The PM wants to increase the number of new reactors to address the growing energy crisis. But of course, the concerns of the Treasury is that costs billions. The Independent, there must be no way back for Putin, warns PM. Relations with Russia cannot be normalised without a new leader. The Observer, Fury, greets PM's claim that Ukraine fight is like Brexit, something we'll be discussing later in the show. Ukraine battle is like Brexit, PM tells party. That's according to the front page of the Sunday Times. And officials failed to challenge controversial P&O firings. Sunday Express. Now Putin unleashes invincible missile. Desperate Vladimir Putin has upped the ante by firing a hypersonic missile capable of carrying nuclear warheads at Ukraine for the first time. The Kinzhal missile, which travels at more than five times the speed of sound, destroyed a weapons storage site in the west of Ukraine on Friday. This according to a Moscow source. Despot lashes out as Ukraine war stalls. PM says the world must fight for freedom last but not least. Daily Star Sunday, Crazy Putin's new terror missile covering that express story. And room with a woo, ghost warnings as you check in to the most haunted hotel in Britain. Guests at Britain's most haunted B&B are warned as they check in that wailing spectres may disturb their sleep. Better than a drunken wedding party, I'd say. And those are your front pages. So many stories to get through. Let's kick off with Boris and Rishi squabbling over nuclear power. This in Sunday's Telegraph. Nick, they're like a bickering couple, aren't they? They are indeed, Mark. And it's, it's quite an important topic. It's nuclear power. Boris Johnson frustrated with Rishi Sunak over resistance to new nuclear power plants. So Boris wants to make these big bets, as he said in his speech at the conference, over nuclear. And Rishi, he believes, anyway, is, is stalling and the, the, the Treasury has perhaps been scuppering attempts to, to get it in place. So I think Boris is right on this, though I also understand it might, might be frustrating to deal with Boris's sudden enthusiasms if you're the one that has to pay for it all, especially yeah. after the disastrous cost of lockdowns. 
And um, what was really interesting is that he, he sold the, he talked about the, the uh, energy situation in his speech today. And really what it is is a last minute U-turn because of this war, but he sold it as like a great thing and everyone clapped. It was quite funny because he talked about years of short-termism. I'm thinking like, yes, from your party, you've been in since 2010. <laughs> I mean, even if you say the coalition, 2015. So it's like, it was, it was very, he said, we want to stop putting money in Putin's bank account. So I absolutely believe in all that. I just, I, you know, it's all very last minute if you ask me. And obviously Rishi's got to pay for it. Uh, that's the issue, isn't it? It's yeah. all politics. Of course. I mean, these two have been at it uh, since Partygate. I think there have been a, a rift between them. I think Sunak sees himself as the next PM, I should imagine. But this is a... And he'd like to have a few quid to spend if he gets the top I would, job. I would have thought so. And, and of course, Boris has one eye on his legacy. And I think the establishment of nuclear power in a substantial way would be, would be one way to achieve that. And if you think about it, you know, uh, France implemented their decarbonisation back in the set or started it over a 12-year period back in the 1970s. Mm. And as a result today... They have 70% of their energy comes from clean uh, sources. 70% of their electricity comes from clean sources. So they are reaping the benefits of that decision many decades ago. And I suppose Johnson is thinking about maybe some a long-term legacy. Uh, here. He does perpetuate. Got, sorry, I, like yeah, to, I just thought you said he has one eye on his legacy. Isn't it like <laughs> yeah. His whole focus. Yeah, system? yeah. Well, absolutely, Ukraine and this as well. But yeah. Does it perpetuate the idea, though, that the Prime Minister is financially incontinent? I mean, this is a man that can't even run his own household budget. This guy can't afford wallpaper yes. and he wants to splash the cash on nuclear. Uh, yeah, I mean... I is there a worry? Are there parallels? Uh, he's not... All, yes, he's a bit of a spendthrift, isn't he? But, uh, you know, but on the other hand, I think this could be a wise investment. Mm. You know, uh, environmentalists appear to be... Uh, uh, disagreeing over the benefits of nuclear. More and more people are coming around to the idea of nuclear energy now, I think. And so I think it could be the way to go. A fascinating story. We'll get more on that, of course, as we get it. The Prime Minister put his foot in it by comparing Brexit to the war in Ukraine. Andrew, tell me more. In The Observer, right? Yeah, this is in The Observer. So this was a uh, Boris Johnson speech to the Conservative uh, Spring Conference in uh, Blackpool. And I think he just made this kind of very tone-deaf suggestion. He, he basically compared the fight in Ukraine, the idea of sort of fighting for your freedom uh, with, with Brexit. He specifically said here, he was talking about how people naturally choose freedom. And then he said, when the British people voted for Brexit in such large, large numbers, I don't believe it was because they were remotely hostile to foreigners. It's because they wanted to be free to do things differently and for this country to be able to run itself, which, of course, is a completely different situation uh, to the situation in Ukraine. It is, as I say, a bit tin-eared, a bit tone-deaf. Uh, it doesn't really make sense, because it is a completely different thing. But of course, everyone's got... I think he is, you know, moving on to what we were saying earlier about his legacy, I think he is kind of shoehorning in. Yes. Because, of course, he is the one who largely, by and large, got Brexit done, according to his uh, manifesto pledge, and he did. And so he's shoehorning that in here. But, yeah, totally... Yeah, I mean, we weren't, we weren't being shelled by the European Union, although I'm sure it no. crossed, their, crossed their minds at certain They would have liked to. I think Verhofstadt particularly would have liked to do that, but... Didn't happen. If, yeah, if you watch the speech, and I've, I've watched it several times trying to understand the point you made. He actually, Can I just say you don't get paid enough to watch that speech several times? I know, times. and I watched <laughs> the Trust and the Patel ones. Just Stop boasting about your research. Well, I do research too. <laughs> yeah. But can I say one. that you've watched all those speeches several times? There is a haunted look in your eyes. Yeah, well, especially mm. from the Trust and Patel ones, because they were so boring. That, that, that's Boris's <laughs> charm, which we could get onto. But the, the, the way he 
Stuhorn is the word because what he was trying to do clearly was bring in his what he sees as his best achievements, which were Brexit and the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And the vaccine thing was even more tenuous. The vaccine was like Ukraine. And that one I couldn't even yeah. figure out. But it, he, said, he said freedom. They want freedom, much like the freedom in, in Brexit or the freedom to come forward and get the vaccine. What? So he's, not, he says, he's not the only politician that does this. No, no. That always brings it back to their own sort of to be honest, achievements. When it started to annoy the European Union, it became quite funny to me. I mean, it's wound up for Hofstede and Tusk. And I, that's almost worse. I think that's worse. I mean, Donald Tusk, you know, who was uh, the former president of the European Council, he he's actually said that he's very angry about this. He says, Boris, your words offend Ukrainians, the British and common sense. But don't forget, Donald Tusk, if you recall, was the one who said that Brexit would bring about the destruction of Western political civilization in its entirety. <laughs> yeah. So this man is he's like a, a mothership to Nostradamus kind of thing. He's he's not averse to a bit of hyperbole himself, let's put it that way. So it's just quite funny to see them all flipping out now. You know? But yeah. the genius of the speech was, even despite this sort of clumsy reference to Ukraine that everyone's talking about, he managed to pull it back with that I have a bream thing. Did you see that? It was incredible. He, did, he made a, a reference to a logworm. He, did, he told a strange story about running on the beach in the morning and a man yeah. was collecting logworms. And he said, but you need logworms. It's all about like the Tory ethos because you need logworms to sell, to, to get breams or not to sell, whatever you do with them. You somehow use them to, to entice a bream. And then he said, and I have a bream, ladies and gentlemen. And it was, it was so funny. A great moment. Brought yeah, the house yeah. down. <laughs> exactly. And he rescued all this ridiculous stuff he said at the start. Never mind the fact that our energy policy has been terrible. The yeah, Brexit, Ukraine reference. And that's why he's still so good compared to... He's it, always done that. He's always done that. Like, right. When, the when Peppa Pig one didn't a, work. Throw but, a joke. Right. And distract people with a joke. And you th so you think this is a deliberate ploy to distract from the, the issues? Oh, not necessarily, but I did think of that, that, that he's sort of... You know, his party gate is quite buried now. With the, totally, the, the more gone. nonsense he throws out there, you know, now we're all talking about this yeah. link between Brexit and Ukraine. We're talking about Breams. We're not thinking about party. Well, you're talking anymore. a lot about Breams. Well, I'm I didn't so bring Breams. Look, that's the difference between Boris and if you watch Truss and Patel. See, I think I could give them lessons, Andrew, because I've been doing stand-up ten years. Always been very relaxed on stage. That's what they're missing. Boris's charm and speaking ability yeah. is so far above them, and it's enough to be prime minister. Yeah, he's just another headliner. Who knew? <laughs> Maybe we'll get him on this sofa soon. <laughs> if he ceases to be prime minister. Now, let's go back to this P&O story. It's a real national scandal, Nick. Uh, what's the latest, according to the Mail on Sunday? Yes, it is. Um, so ministers have stepped up attacks on rev revolting, that's a quote, P&O ferries after a mass sacking of 800 crew to be replaced with £2 an hour agency staff. So, yes, if you, I mean, I watched the video on this day. It's, it's, it's very upsetting. Basically, people have been kicked out. They might have been there decades even. Suddenly, they've been kicked out immediately overnight and uh, 800 staff sacked. And the, the, the legality of it is, com is complicated because the company is, that owns it is in Dubai and the contracts were signed in Jersey. So no one knows if it's even legal to do this or not. So that, that might be how they're getting around the legality. But, but it's still, it's the moral question which everyone's focused on, which is, it's a terrible thing to do. And Labour have suddenly decided to care about working people again and they're attacking it. And uh, yeah, it's a little, you can argue, a cynic could say it's a bit hypocritical after we've uh, destroyed the travel industry for a, a couple of years. But yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible way to behave towards your staff. What were you going to say, Andrew? Um, well, I mean, just to say, I, I mean, I think it was particularly shabby uh, because the way they did it was a pre-recorded video over a Zoom meeting, oh, yeah. which is very much the equivalent of dumping your partner with a text message, which has definitely not happened to me, by the way. Uh, Glad but to I, hear that. Yeah, but and I you have done was, it to others. Oh, yeah, all the time I'm a player. But the thing is... <laughs> it was Instagram, wasn't I, it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but I think, you know, we've now got this situation where um, ministers are obviously stepping in, 
But of course, it's very important for the Tories to be seen to be protecting workers' rights and workers' interests. But let's face it, workers' rights in this country have been meagre ever since the Thatcher's conflict with the unions back in the day. Yeah, and then the yeah. new Labour was very pro-corporate, pro-managerial class. And then the, the Tories in the 2010s, we've had a steady, continual decline of, uh, of support for workers and workers' rights. And it's, you know, it's a bit late, but, you know, maybe the Tories will have to do something. But they have to do something because they need to keep them on side, yeah. you know, if they're going to maintain that. But are you really pro-union? Yes, I am pro-union. What about when they do the tube strikes and they just bring all of London? Or school closures during the sure, pandemic. But your irritation about your travel plan is not the same. I get taxis, bro. It's not my <laughs> problem. It's, you get a chauffeur, right? You're, yeah, yeah, but it's I'm, but it, it brings London to a halt. It I, cr crashes the whole look, economy. I, I think there is absolutely irresponsible behaviour when it comes to striking, and you mentioned schools as well. Mm. Uh, and that is absolutely possible, and it is absolutely the case. We've seen it very recently from the National Education Union, the way they're behaving with their strikes at the moment, which are very ideologically driven. Um, but what I would say is, when it's done well, uh, you do need to have protection for working people. You absolutely do, because otherwise they will be exploited by, by rich and powerful people. Too right, well said. Um, well, the Read the Room Award goes to a United States politician who demonstrated his finger being on the pulse of popular opinion by accusing the Ukrainian president of being a thug and evil. Um, did he mean to say Putin? This is in Sunday's Independent. Yes, this is uh, it's a Madison Cawthorn. Uh, he's a Republican uh, representative, Republican politician. And he arrived late. So they were, they were playing. Uh, so Zelensky was addressing Congress. Uh, and here, with, through the video, uh, uh, and arrived late, so didn't really see it all, um, uh, just as the, the address was about to finish, actually. And um, this, uh, and this basically tried to draw a, a draw a moral equivalence between Russia and, and Ukraine. There has been video footage released of, uh, of Cawthorn calling Zelensky a thug, saying that he's incredibly corrupt, saying that the regime has been, he actually described it as incredibly evil and saying that it was pushing uh, woke ideology. So no fan here of Ukraine. It's quite interesting um, the way that Zelensky has approached addressing the various governments. And, you know, this is very similar to what he did with the UK, mm. of course, because what he does is he invokes uh, elements about the country's particular history. So with us, he invoked Churchill, didn't he? He used phraseology that was very yes. reminiscent of Churchill. He, he quoted Hamlet, quoted from Hamlet as well. Here, he did the same thing. He uh, invoked Pearl Harbor, September 11 terrorist attacks, a very sort of... Um, in order to urge uh, the implementation of a no-fly zone. So he's got, he's, you know, he's very, he sort of does this very well and it's very effective. But this, uh, but Cawthorn's having none of it and subsequently has said, as, he, as I've pointed out, honestly, both governments in both Russia and Ukraine are incredibly corrupt and very vile. He's sticking to it. Well, yeah. shall I give the balance then? Because I can see yes. which way you two are going. Well, look, for balance, for the sake of balance, because we're broadcast standards, um, Ukraine was seen as very corrupt until 10 minutes ago when we had this war. It, there'd be these tables internationally of most corrupt countries. Ukraine and Russia were a few places apart. Yeah. So it was seen like that. Now it's seen as this utopia. I think it is weird, although I, obviously my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. I find it a bit weird, the thing you said, that Zelensky shows up and he gets to address Parliament or Congress in the US and invoke World War II. And I just find it all a bit odd. And then everyone gets really behind it, which I can't tell. Is that some sort of strange warmongering? Or is, that, or is it really the politicians saying, we're not actually going to help you in any real term, but we're going to clap? I just well, find I it all very strange. I think there's two potential things. I mean, one of them is that obviously when a sovereign nation is invaded, uh, that's wrong. And I think most people feel that that is wrong. Mm -hmm. And you see the mistreat, the treatment of the people who are dying you know, and yeah. fleeing from their homes. And uh, it's, it's very difficult not to feel empathy for that kind of situation. But at the same token, I do take on board your point, Nick, insofar as any political discussion these days, ever since Brexit really, gets reduced to a binary of good versus evil. Either it's, it's, it's leave or remain, either it's wear a mask or don't wear a mask. 
uh, either it's uh, you know yeah. you put a, a Ukrainian flag on your on your Twitter or don't you know it's very much binary thinking and so I do take your point that there is a, a lack of nuance and sophistication when it comes to this discussion because inevitably that's the way every major political discussion goes these days. Well, yeah, I mean it's my view that the hard left have lost the plot during the pandemic and also in relation to things like woke culture and trans rights. Yeah. But are the right losing the plot over Ukraine? We saw the conservative commentator Candice Owens pretty much criticising Ukraine and defending Russia. So are the right making a mistake here? Well, I mean, the, the, the idea of losing the plot being a singularly left-wing thing is never has never been true. <laughs> yeah, uh, this that's is, right. You know, and it, when you have this kind of binary thinking, you will have both sides mm. uh, doing exactly the same thing just from an opposite approach. And this is why it's really important to have uh, sophisticated, nuanced discussions and not just reduce the world. But I think it's the, the right who have challenged the, the, sure. the, the COVID consensus. And I think that some of the data suggests their criticisms had merit, particularly if you compare countries that locked down hard, others that didn't. Mask, efficacy, all of these things are very much owned by the political left. Yeah. In many cases, they wanted more, longer, harder, faster. Uh, but is this one where the political right, particularly in America, and the antagonists, the contrarians, are actually badly misreading this? Yeah, well, I think what's happened is they they've seen the distrust over COVID and they've seen the same people that despise them suddenly be all pro-Ukraine and Ukraine flags in their bio. That's part of it. Another yeah. part of it is the idea that Russia's uh, sort of Christian nationalist, whereas, you know, Ukraine is, is in with the wokeness, the WEF and all that kind of thing. That, that is a lot of what is driving it. And just like, like a general mistrust of media. So they say yes. we can't know what's happening. So, but yeah, it can go too far when they, when they come out as being pro-Putin. That's what, that's what I think is driving it. Yeah, are, are, are um, many now just distrustful of anything that they see on TV or read in a newspaper oh, because yeah. of the pandemic? Oh, not just because of the pandemic. I think we've had this gradual process mm. of mistrust in the media. It's getting worse and worse and worse, and it, it even predates Trump, uh, really. But just because we have seen so much evidence that uh, so many aspects of the media on the left and the right are ideologically driven and would rather present you the world as they would like it to be rather than the world as it is. It's a real problem. It's time for Andrew and Nick to have their powder. And yes, that is a euphemism. It's the end of part one. Join us after the break when we'll be discussing why you'll want to buy your eggs before Monday. A crazy New York City health official. Is there any other kind? And of course, <laughs> Prince William and Kate. God save the Queen. See you shortly. Welcome back to Headliners and a warm welcome back to Cal, our producer, who is suitably tanned and full of viruses from Tenerife. Let's take a look at Sunday's papers with my good self, Mark Dolan, in the company of the most beloved double act since Anton Deck, Andrew Doyle and Nick Dixon. Let's get ready to rumble. The only reason why Cal wrote that line is so that I would then say, let's get ready to rumble. That's how this show works. Now, this next story is from the Sunday Telegraph. Who wants a crack? Nick. Is this the uh, eggs? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, because it says... Uh, there, there was a pun in his oh, intro. Oh, crap, I got it. But Let's then it a... says the Guardian, so I got confused. Uh, okay. Nick tunes out whenever Seamless. I speak. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, it's fair enough. It's all right. I'm just keeping it raw and authentic, guys. Um, Free-range eggs vanished from supermarket shelves. They've just... They've gone. So what's happened is the biggest UK outbreak of bird flu late last year forced farmers to move all their chickens indoors four months ago, so there are no more free-range eggs. Chicken lockdown. Cluck down. Nice. That would have been the headline in the Star. This is why you're the presenter, Mark, and I'm yeah. the mere guest. And uh, being the headline writer at the Star is definitely my career plan B. And then three, <laughs> I sell my body. That's my plan A. 
Um, <laughs> so, yes, so this, we, bird flu is back. It's all quite worrying. Sainsbury's and Morrison's are going to, for the first time in years, have to have barn eggs when they, they only do free range. So it's another sort of dropping living standard. We've got energy costs. We've got no eggs. The whole world's falling apart. I'm more worried about the, uh, uh, this thing I heard about in China where there's a new virus where people are bleeding out of their eyes. Oh. Yeah, and I'm hoping that's not real and isn't because it could be another fake story, so I'm hoping. No, but, let's hope that's but not real. bird flu is well, I mean, back just... on the table, or not on the table. It's a kind of a pun, table-based pun. I should have done it better, like Mark. It was about the, that was a delivery issue rather yeah, than Yeah, yeah, it's because I only just thought of it and yeah, I yeah. realised there was more there. And you need to rehearse that one. But I think the, um, I didn't even spot this. Apparently the bird flu uh, re-emerged last, late last year. I yeah. completely passed my, me by. I think we were also focused with other things. Yeah. Partygate and all, well, yeah. no, the, the pandemic. And, you know, <laughs> I feel for the birds, but apparently it doesn't mean an end of eggs. It just means that the eggs will become barn eggs mm. rather than free-range eggs. Yeah. Uh, which I believe is is different to battery eggs. I don't think I don't think they're correct. Chicken, I think they've been putting in a barn, so they're still pretty well accommodated. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, you know. it's going to hit North London very hard. You know, Will the it? kind of people, the middle class people who can only eat free range eggs. Yeah. they'll disintegrate if they eat a barn. You only should eat free range eggs because it's cruel. To, well, now you battery can't. farming is cruel. I know, I agree, but yeah. now you can't, Andrew. So are you, um, you going to boycott eggs entirely because you're a vegetarian? I can't give up a morning omelette. I think it's important. You know, so just you're just going to eat caged eggs? Caged eggs. Well, caged chickens. Yeah, yeah. they've been in cluck down, but apparently they've got Netflix, which is fine. Yeah, good for them. They've been Nest baking banana bread. Nestflix. Nestflix, there you go. Very See, good. That's what you pay <laughs> top dollar for here on Headliners. Uh, let's get to our next story. The draconian abortion laws brought in by certain states in the USA has led certain companies to take drastic action in the Sunday Times, Andrew. Tell me more. Well, uh, yeah, so the two big firms, uh, Apple and Citigroup, the investment bank, are now saying that they are going to support uh, members of staff who need to cross state lines in order to get an abortion on the basis um, that we've had. Well, we've had Texas, haven't we, say that um, they've reduced the uh, abortion limit, I think, to six weeks. Yes, yeah, six weeks. They call it the heartbeat law. Idaho has done the same thing. And so more and more states are sort of uh, banning abortions beyond a certain limit. And that's very early, six weeks, I think, because a lot of people won't even know they're uh, pregnant at that, yeah. at that point. So these big corporations say, well, we will help. We will support women who need to go elsewhere to, to get there. It's quite reminiscent of the way it was here when we're obviously in Northern Ireland for the longest time. You, you know, people had to go over to England in order to, to get abortion. So that's, what, what, that's what's happening here. But there's a lot of people who are very concerned because obviously now the weighting of the Supreme Court is very much towards the right. Mm. Uh, and um, they fear that Roe versus Wade will be overturned. And that's the, um, obviously the legislation that prevents states from uh, banning abortions for pregnancies under 23 weeks. So I think that, and that could happen. That could be the case here. But it looks like the corporations are sort of wading in with their view. What do you think? Well, you've been quite neutral. But it's the ultimate logic of the liberal orthodoxy that they'll pay you to sort of kill your baby and imagine they're good people. I mean, you can now have an abortion as part of your corporate benefits package. I think this is a very disturbing trend, if you ask me. What are you looking, you looking at? My no, no, it says you've been very, very clear about what you've done on yeah, the abortion yeah. debate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I side so with the late Christopher Hitchens on the, so on the mm. topic. I'm a pro-lifer, as he was, a big lefty. So, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. A friend of mine pointed out today that feminists thought to be working mums and actually coercing someone into an abortion was thought to be sexist, and now they're sort of, now they're offering as part of their benefits. They, that's quite they, an interesting point. And they're of course, not coercing I'm, women, I'm against they? uh, women not, in the workplace anyway, but... They're not, what? <laughs> well, there's that. Uh, saying the quiet part out loud there. But I th <laughs> like, they're not coercing women into doing anything. What they're saying is that if women make the choice to have an abortion, they will help facilitate it if the state has prohibited that from No, but it was, a it was a comparison to when that was the case. In, but look, it's, it's, 
The question is, if you were very against this, can you even still use Apple? Is that's what I'm wondering. Like, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna, yeah. am I gonna burn my phone? Or am I gonna say pro-life stuff on the phone in a kind of subversive? But also, th these companies, these corporations, are undermining the law in that state, so they're, therefore they're entering politics. I mean, that's another whole other debate, isn't it, about that? You know, mm. if, if whether that becomes a point that it's actually. Are they breaking the law by doing this? I don't, I, I where, don't know. Where I don't do you know guys stand? Because you're sitting on the fence on, the, on abortion, and I've. I well, I've got to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm vigorously pro-choice. Are you? Yeah, but I would follow the rules of the territory in which I trade. So I think what Apple and others are doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. See, it's not that I'm. I just lean towards pro-life. I don't. It's not like I, because I think the conversation has Look, gone too far the other way. It's not like I'm like. Brutally for like, I'm just it's gone so far towards we, abortion is just, just an, a I, casual yeah. thing now And it's just and people joke about it. It's just like yeah, just get just get an abortion I think it's gone way too far over to that side Well, I think that just hasn't you know I've, I, I, th This debate is so emotive that you rarely really get a debate You know you get people talking about how it's women's rights uh, But then of course they're neglecting the fact that the other side don't see it that way So they see it as the rights of the fetus so that, that actually feminism has nothing to do with it in that respect But then the other side say it's about God and and that's forgetting that the, the, the other side generally don't believe in God. So the, the, both sides seem to, that's why I never hear really sophisticated arguments. What was very interesting it. is Christopher Hitchens yeah. years ago said that the idea of the, of the women's rights argument, that it's the, the, the mother's right, has been completely debunked and the left aren't even taking it seriously anymore. He said that many years ago. Then that argument mm. came back with a vengeance. Anyway, I'm just saying it's not necessarily a right and left. Uh, no, it's not. Luckily, it's not a divisive political story in this country to the same extent, is it? But in America, no, abortion huge, is huge. massive. But it's also it's totemic. It's yeah. also about this Supreme Court issue. But it's know, only not as divisive in this country because the pro-choice side has won so mm. comprehensively. Fair enough. Uh, well, on to the Sunday Times next. It seems some insurance companies have changed their policies to allow people to take in refugees on one condition, Nick. Yeah. So insurers allow homeowners to take in refugees, but Ukrainians only. So, although it's slightly misleading, because if, if you actually look at this story, it says AXA, Aviva, Direct Line and Admiral said they would waive the uh, requirement to inform them if refugees were taken into a home from any... So you can take in a refugee and not tell the insurance people where they're from if it's anywhere in the world. However, RSA and LV will waive requirement only for Ukrainian refugees. So you can taking a, a Ukrainian, a Lloyds Bank will waive premium charges if you have a Ukrainian guest, but will also consider it for people from Afghanistan. It's great for me, this is gonna help with the, the six refugees I've taken in, mm. although I like to be different, so I, I've taken in six Russians just to be contrarian, but <laughs> yeah. um, what's your take on it, Andrew? I've said so many terrible things. I think, you have I think after, really after, a, tonight, aren't you? after a few days of dealing with your sort of rather dreadful eating habits, your snoring, and your rather lack of cleanliness. I'm, I'm told they want to go back to Moscow. I'm very, very clean. I don't, even in this fiction, I don't want you to say that. I don't mind a little bit. It's my views that they would leave for, isn't it? Probably. Probably. Well, look, it's, it's important that we do our bit. And some people have donated money, others have taken in or offered to take in refugees. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's important that insurance companies, you know, administer policies accordingly. Yeah, I think it's an, I think it's a really good thing, and, and what I really like about this this entire thing that has happened is, you know, so often we get into these debates about virtue signalling and and people sort of wanting to be seen on the right side of something, mm. but taking someone in, actually taking a refugee into your house, you're not signalling, you're doing something rather wonderful there, yeah, and I, I think right. this, I think this is um, thank you. So I, yeah, no, you're 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 a giant of a man, Nick. <laughs> A moral, moral yeah. arrogant. You've got six or seven people around yours. I did hear that you asked for photographs first, which I think is inappropriate. <laughs> They've got media commitments. Each, each to their own. Um, a personal trainer has beaten up a homeless man in Brazil. This is in the Mail on Sunday, Nick. 
Yeah, uh, the headline is Moment Personal Trainer finds church-going wife cheating on him with a homeless man in car before dragging him out and beating him to a pulp in Brazil. And that's quite a strange uh, phrase. It, 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 they were already in Brazil. They didn't go to Brazil just to it's do that. not an elegantly written No, no, no. Headline, they all ha it? He took him, it sounds like he took him to Brazil to beat him up. But this is a shock. <laughs> the video is bizarre. I mean... This personal trainer goes to the car, he finds his wife in the... Are you going to say something? No. Oh, it looked like you were, you were desperate to talk about the personal trainer. But he finds the wife in the car and he drags him out. He beats up the, uh, the homeless guy. What's incredible is his wife, a churchgoer, told a friend she'd received a message from God to help the homeless person, which she interprets as mean sleeping with him. I mean, that's a great excuse. That's, that's up there with Shaggy. Just saying it wasn't me. It wasn't you know, me. That, I mean, that's God, God, God told me yeah. to, yes. to, to do this. And I'd like to say it wasn't God that told us. More likely it was Satan posing as God because that God wouldn't happen, say, he wouldn't say, break up your marriage with a homeless guy in a what, car. What I'd say about this, though, it doesn't seem very fair to the homeless guy. You know, he's already homeless. He's been invited in for a tryst with this presumably beautiful woman. Exactly and then he's right. the one who gets beaten up. He hasn't broken any marital vows. Why is he the one getting no, beaten up? His big mistake, his misjudgment was sleeping with someone that dates a personal trainer. Well, because they're going to be quite handy, aren't they? Just they're going to be quite handy. Married. He's got guns. He's got abs. But why is he beat? And I'm not suggesting he beat And he's probably beat recently either, but... eaten protein, which makes people aggressive. You know, uh, you know I just think, it, I think all, all violence is wrong at all times. But don't beat up someone who's done that. It's not, it really isn't his fault here. No, no, but I sympathise with the, the personal trainer guy, because here's a guy... What do you have to do, guys? He's married. He's he's in great shape. There's a picture of him. Great shape. Good-looking yeah. guy. And yet, still, his wife cheats on him with a homeless guy. I, mean, what could... I think that's a good thing. That's a positive message to send. Like, it's not all about <laughs> how you look. So you know, there are, there's more to people than your superficial judgments of them. I just yeah, think men are trying so hard, and he's doing the right thing. He's kept a stable relationship. He's working out. He's looking after his health. And then yeah. his wife just cheats him and blames it on God. Well, you, you know, the heart wants what it wants. I think you're so right. It's very progressive. Mm. And after this show, I will. I shall hit central London and seek out some fallen women <laughs> and see how I can help. <laughs> Good luck with that. The story in the Mail on Sunday now. The New York City Health Commissioner has said children should wear masks indefinitely. Is this a joke or is he suffering from long COVID, Nick? Um, yes, this is a... I don't know why they're all coming to me, but it's great. Uh, NYC's new health commissioner, Dr Ashwin Vassan, says mask mandates for kids under five should remain in effect indefinitely. And it's... Uh, absolutely insane. It's totally disproportionate given the stats about uh, children affected by COVID. It says here 19% of all uh, cases of children, 0.26% resulted, uh, resulted in death. Uh, we, we know cloth masks don't really do much. And his claim, he, this guy talks about mental health everywhere. So he says that critical race theory he somehow ties to mental health. He says that climate change uh, the mental health impacts of climate change... This is woke bingo, isn't it? ...cannot be understated. Yeah, yeah. He, Where he are said, the trans rights bits? He says defund the police. He, he's pro-vaccine for fetuses. He's, he's, he's pro-BLM. He, all of it, he's got the whole bingo. And bizarrely, even though he's so into mental health, he wants to mask kids forever. We don't know what that does to a kid's self-esteem or, like, his anxiety... I think we do. I think, yeah, it's you know, terrible it's, it's for it. It's really bad for them. Right, but, and they can't recognise faces as no. much. There's communication issues. I mean, the, the issue, I mean, exactly as we were talking about earlier, about this idea that, you know, this binary thinking, this ideological thinking, and it, this is an absolutely perfect example, you know. He's got all the whole thing, like you say. He's got the BLM thing, he's got critical race theory, he's almost certainly got the trans rights issue, etc. And vaccinations is now in there as well, and masks and all the rest of it. It's just, it's so predictable when you meet an ideologue. You will know their opinions on absolutely everything. I could have told you his opinion on critical race theory and BLM just from hearing what he said about Because masks. these are the Ten Commandments right, of the exactly. tribe. And, but the other thing about this, mm. which I think is really serious, is that, you know, we know that masking five-year-olds serves no purpose. These are not people who are at risk 
of, of the virus. As you say, there, there are serious doubts about the efficacy of masks anyway. But I think there are, you know, there's a worry that there are people, I mean, he's talking about indefinitely, indefinitely. So irrespective of a virus. And this, you know, remember when The Economist did that survey and they found out that 19% of the UK wanted, even in the event that the virus was over, even in the event that the pandemic's finished, to have a curfew, a 10 p.m. curfew, 19% permanently, yeah. to close casinos and nightclubs permanently, uh, to have travel quarantines permanently. Mm. You know, all of this stuff. I mean, it's really, really, to have masks on public transport. 40% of people said they wanted masks on public transport permanently, irrespective of whether or not there was a pandemic. There is something about people that they, they crave uh, this kind of the, this kind of lockdown element. I don't understand it. I don't yeah. get it. At well, all. They, they, they can give up responsibility and it's the comfort of the state. Presumably, I don't know because I don't get it either. But what, what really annoyed me as well was he said here, I would love nothing more than to send my son to daycare without a mask. They always pretend they would love, lo oh, I'd oh, love yeah. to get rid of masks. But sadly, we have to keep them indefinitely. It's like, you wouldn't love anything more than that. You desperately want it's to keep really masks. It's really bad for kids. And you know, you know there it's was terrific. that viral video of when the young children in America were told they could take their masks off. Oh, they were they so all, happy. They were yeah. so delighted. They were so... Or the toddler in tears having the mask put back on his face every three seconds in a stuff. nursery. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's clearly a pretty unedifying stuff. Well, that's it for part two. We'll be back in just one moment with some more Top Sunday stories. In fact, we have saved our best till last. We've got a gun-toting Gallagher brother, one of Britain's most dangerous prisoners, and badgers. What's not to like? See you in two. Welcome back to the final part of Headliners with me, Mark Donan. Looking at tomorrow's papers are the brilliant comedians Andrew Doyle and Nick Dixon. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. This from the Sunday Times, Andrew. Oh, so this is a uh, female soldier who attacked another female soldier, another private, because she was uh, taking a selfie with a male soldier, this, a private lemon. Uh, and uh, the, jealousy, the jealousy, the rage, she saw red. Uh, her name was um, Private Amy Waters. She punched Charlotte Milner, who was the other lady, uh, but grabbed her head and shoved it into a wall. I mean, it was proper kind of repeatedly punched in the face. Just terrible, inexcusable uh, violence. But it does go to show. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, obviously my background is in English literature. I know the uh, that sexual jealousy is possibly the most potent of, of human emotions, and this is why you get these crimes of passion because you know it is it is a moment of in control. You can't, you cannot control yourself. I don't experience this because I'm dead inside. But like, I think people who who are capable of love do get these sort of emotions, and they end up sort of hurt, very much hurting people they uh, they care about. Yeah, that's right, and it's the ultimate cat fight, isn't it? You've hit on the problem, and I hate to say it, but th this is why the armies shouldn't really be mixed because I've, seen, I've, I've watched a lot of SAS Who Dares Wins and they say, you know, if you put women into a situation with a lot of men, jealousy is going to occur. Well, so you say that, but do you remember... I, you're, I phrased it quite tactfully there. You, you remember the, an, the ancient Greek army of, the, of, 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 of uh, gay do. lovers and it was just made, made up exclusively of gay lovers and the theory was that if one of the soldiers died, the other one would fight twice as hard to avenge him and they were known Ooh. as being the toughest most meanest, no, no, most no. aggressive. That proves my... Yeah, but they're... OK, like... Mm, so I don't think you're right. I but think, there's, not, there's no women in there still, is there? No, but there's... <laughs> but you see, your initial premise um, negated the possibility for homosexual attraction. Well, do you know what it was? I didn't want to say you shouldn't put women in the army, so I went with mix, and then I opened myself up to your to, gay... To accusations of homophobia. Defense. What I'm telling you is, 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 is a gay army would actually be a better army. An exclusively gay well, army. they're still men, so they're, you know... So they're, what are you saying, more reasonable? <laughs> I think this is where you're driving. A gay I, look, army, that's a thought. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been done before. It'll probably be done again. Uh, but I think in this case, this is... Look, it's not about mixed sex in the army or whether people... Obviously, people are going to mix in their own recreational well, that's time. Just what they said. That's but what they said on SAS, who dares wins. That's not me saying that. That's Ant Middleton. No, the, this, but this is, this is the issue of just, uh, just people in their free time uh, oh. getting drunk, uh, overreacting and doing something that she is doubtless going to regret because there's no way you can uh, continue an army career once you've done something like that. But um, I think it's more about human nature, which you cannot eradicate, however much you w would like to. Would the uh, tailoring in a gay army be better? They would look better and they would fight better. I think it's yeah. just a The officers' idea. mess would be more fun, wouldn't it? Better tunes. It's hard to top those uh, Nazi Hugo Boss uniforms, isn't it? That's true. That's true. In, in, one, way, in one way, it's hard to top them, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on a sartorial level, and that might be the length and breadth of it. But uh, on that controversial note, let's <laughs> move on. It's what this show's all about. It's all about opinions. Apparently, Russian hackers have been calling Nadine Dorries. I wonder if they regret making that call, Nick. Yes. Um, imposters target three ministers with prank calls. So this is quite a shocking story from The Times. So mm. it happened to Nadine Dorries, it happened to uh, Priti Patel, and it happened to Ben Wallace. And what happened was someone pretending to be Zelensky called them up. He had the flag, he sounded and looked like him. Ben Wallace spoke to him for 10 minutes before realizing it wasn't. And then when he realized the questions got increasingly wild, he hung up. Now, well, of course, what he should have done is as soon as he twigged that it was a fake call is start giving out fake information, right? Yeah. You say things like, we're preparing to send in the bears. And you know, you yes. say, oh, we're sending in 500 bears strapped with weapons to Ukraine. Say things like that, whatever. Yeah. That's just one example. But what he did was just hang up, which is the second best That's option. actually not a bad strategy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And um, but it's, it's, I mean, you can tell if it's Zelensky because immediately he starts talking about World War II and asking for weapons. But this is going to be a problem. There's all these deep fakes. And somehow this call got through, which we should be concerned about. And Ben, ben Wallace tweeted about it, which is how I found about it, which I thought was weird. But perhaps he had to get ahead of the story. But yes, basically, it's very easy to get through as a fake to... to, to to our Ministry of Defence. What's going on? I mean, this is insane. Like, why yeah. isn't there, Surely it's got to go through the Foreign Office or something. Like, you can't just phone up, put on a voice, put on a wig and phone up and speak to the Culture Secretary. How does this work? That's right. A couple of years ago, Elton John was tricked into a prank call with Vladimir Putin. So if it can happen to Elton, it can happen to anyone. I mean, I think it does suggest that there is a hole in the security somewhere. So maybe, maybe so. address that, guys. Maybe deal with that. Yeah. I think it's worrying. Memo to uh, the Foreign Office. Now, let's crack on because this one's another corker. According to the Mail on Sunday, Disney have reinstated a gay kissing scene in the upcoming Buzz Lightyear film. Speaking on behalf of all gay people everywhere, what are your thoughts, Andrew? Yes, I'm going to make this statement on behalf of all of my, my kind. Um, I mean, the thing is, so, so they'd taken the gay scene out of this Disney film, this Pixar scene. They'd, they've now reinstated it. Well, this, this is all relating to, it, it carries on from uh, Disney sort of getting a lot of trouble for not condemning the don't say gay bill in Florida, which is, well, that's what they're calling it. That's not what the bill's actually called, of course. Um, and it's a very weird one because that bill, uh, it doesn't say you can't use the word gay at all. It doesn't say you can't discuss homosexuality or gender identity at all. What it says, quite I mean, it's actually mostly a bill about uh, parental access to school records and, and um, uh, you know, the extent to which parents need to be consulted about certain, about what their kids are being taught, that kind of thing. Mm. There's one paragraph uh, which talks about how basically gender identity, ideology and sexuality can't be taught to kids who are under the age of eight. And that strikes me as perfectly reasonable. It doesn't strike me as homophobic. Yeah. After that point, you can talk about these very important issues. I mean, it's a weird one. It's a weird example. Under eights don't generally get taught the facts of life in well, this country. Well, they don't country. know or care about 
about that sort of stuff, and they wouldn't understand it even if you did. I mean, the, the, it's just interesting to me the way this has been represented by the mainstream media as this sort of majorly the equivalent to Section 28 in this country, so, which was an authentically anti-gay piece of legislation, and it's 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 deliberate manipulation and lies. And the thing is, you can read the legislation and check for yourself. That's what I find so bizarre. But I do think when it comes to Disney and the and these uh, this reinstated kiss. It isn't really about this, why you would take that out or put it back in or whatever. And there's a, a moment in this article where it talks about what the, this film, the film that had a gay character, one, it was a film called Onward, mm. a Disney film called Onward. And that was therefore banned because it had one gay character saying one reference to her partner. And it was banned in Kuwait, Oman, Qatar and Saudi Arabia because of the scene. This affects them financially because there are countries in this world where to be gay is dangerous, right? Uh, and, and it's quite astonishing that actually that's why they cut these things. They're worried about their, their finances, aren't they? I think that's what it is. And you know what? If they'd have made, you know, all these sort of gay characters they're inserting into these Disney films, if they'd have done that, 20 years ago, when it could have made a difference, I would be slapping them on the back and saying, that's great. When there was a risk to doing it, but now, you know, it's now it's nothing. Yeah, know? yeah, I agree. I mean, the reason they get cut them is usually because, like, say, other countries, usually China or one of the other countries you mentioned, yeah. it didn't say why here. And should kids' films really be the battleground for sexual politics is my question. I mean, we don't really have just art or storytelling for its own sake. It feels like anymore we just have varying degrees of propaganda. Am I right? Yeah, you're being preached at, basically, yeah. by Disney yeah. of all uh, people. Could we go the other way and just have no kissing in films? Because yes. even I'm 47 years of age, but yeah. even now when there's a snogging scene in a film, my mum still comes in. Yeah, she it's doesn't embarrassing. Even, she doesn't live with us. And you don't like affection, human doing, affection, yeah. generally. It's not of course your I thing. don't. I don't enjoy it. No. Uh, I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of the sort of those Bond movies with Roger Moore when he was about 107 kissing these young oh. girls. It was too much. I think it should just be people sitting around in like fully dressed, there not touching go. each other, socially distanced. You know, like Victorian England. That's exactly like be. Victorian England. Very austere, sexless, like you. <laughs> now you're talking. You're turning me on. <laughs> on to the mail on Sunday now. The badger cull, an appropriate response to TB outbreaks in cattle or a cruel and needless slaughter. What do the experts say, Andrew? Well, the experts say that the controversial badger cull, which has been slaughtering all sorts of, a lot of badgers, some 140,000 badgers have been murdered. I'm going to use the word murdered in this cull since 2007. Costs many millions of pounds to the taxpayer. It has no scientific basis. The, the idea of killing all these badgers was that it would prevent the spread of tuberculosis amongst bovine animals, amongst cattle. It doesn't. So the report is absolutely clear about this. And now the government is, is criticising this report. The farmers groups are criticising this report. What are they not doing? They're not following the science here because mm. it's not convenient. The truth is that these, um, the, 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 the colours have done absolutely nothing. And all you've got is a big pile of badger corpses. Absolutely. Grotesque image. I mean, it's, it's poor badgers, firstly. Secondly, it reminds me, being from the lakes, of the uh, horrible foot and mouth situation where they were slaughtering cows for questionable reasons. They were destroying businesses. There was weird disinfectant foot baths all around the Remember countryside. Remember those, yeah. So it was a horrible time. It's much like that. And it's also much like, as you maybe implied there, this whole COVID thing, because it's, it's thinking we can control things that we actually can't. And we've, say, we've leave, misjudged it again. Leave the badgers alone. Leave the badgers I, 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 alone. I, I, my concern Hands is the off badgers. Our badgers. That's exactly what it sounds dirty when you say it. <laughs> Talking of furry creatures, Noel Gallagher is in the news oh. and he's going to mess Putin up. This in the Express, <laughs> Andrew. OK, so Noel Gallagher is, is saying that he will, yeah, he would be happy to shoot 
if, if World War Three broke out from his mansion in wherever it is. Uh, he says that he's, um, it was just, I mean, I think it was just a podcast that he was involved in. And he says that, yeah, and I can't use the language that he used, obviously, but you can see the asterisks is strategically placed there. Shoot anything that effing moved. He said he would get involved. He wants to get involved. I mean, this is, this, but this is just what he does, isn't it? This is just the kind of alpha male grandstanding which we've had since the, the heady days of Oasis. Do you remember they even released a single of him and Liam just shouting at each other for half an hour? That was a single. Amazing. It was called Sibling Rivalry or something, Wait, like, something like that. Can I say my favourite bit? He says, uh, I'd get out to Hampshire and I know a few people out there with shotguns and submachine guns. Who are these people <laughs> in with submachine guns? Well, That's says, the real story. He says he could get a gun and he could, like, can you? How? Why? Yeah, how well, can you, you know, well, he knows, you he knows a copper with access to firearms. Yes. And when you're a rock star, that works. And he says he'd sit on his roof, he'd get a load of telescopic stuff from Amazon. And he can just see for miles and I mean, miles on his roof. He thinks he's in an episode of The Walking Dead, doesn't it, he? It is... sounds ridiculous, Andrew, but then Zelensky used to be a comedian. Now he's a sort of warlord, so, or whatever you call him, a leader, a sort of warrior figure, leader of President. a country. That's it. But he always <laughs> warlord. appears. Well, not warlord. Overlord. That's my, that's my right wing. But I mean, yeah. He, he's a, he, yeah, if, if Zelensky can do it, why not Noel? It seems like a strange story. Well, I don't know why this really made the. Pre I mean, it's just Noel Gallagher being funny, isn't he? Well, it is isn't really. He is funny. Isn't he just joking? Yes. And isn't guy. he refreshingly on PC? Refreshingly yeah, absolutely. Unwoke. Oh, no, I like I like him going on his rants. It's, I, mean, I wasn't being critical. I think that, but we, you know, I think the way the media sort of build it up a little bit as though this is a serious mm. thing he's saying that he's going to say. He also complained in that podcast about lefties. Didn't hear. Did he? He saw that. Yeah, and I, I wonder whether he's one of this sort of new breed of people. And many people, people call themselves politically homeless, where they're a bit populist, a bit feisty, and, and anti woke. But they're, they're not right wing. They just they don't like lefties. Is but, that possible? Well, it's because the sort of woke left, not the authentic mm. left, but the woke left, has become the establishment now. Mm. So if you want to be rock and roll, if you want to be the equivalent of punk, whatever it is today, uh, then you rail against them because that's like railing against. But the, the minute you do, you fall into the trap of being called right wing. But you know, I yeah, don't think course. you're actually right wing. I'm sure back in the day. Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher were both lefties. Yeah, but Noel went to meet Tony Blair, didn't he? It's a bit he? like uh, John Lydon, the ultimate punk, right? Johnny Rotten. He, he, was, he was obviously punk, but then yeah. he came out pro-Trump because he recognised that was the more punk position yeah, and he was pro-Brexit, whereas everyone else just holds on to their old beliefs no matter how obsolete. Well, that's why the rock and roll stars these days are just very, very boring generally because they, they are pro-establishment. I mean, it's really, really boring. And mm -hmm. the thing about the woke left is they will call everyone right-wing uh, irrespective of their views anyway. It's just a catch-all slur to them. They don't know what it means, and the reason they don't understand it is because the woke left are pretty right-wing because they're obsessed with upper-middle-class causes I love on the that. whole. You've attacked them back by calling them right-wing. But they are authentically right-wing because they care more about, as I say, the middle class. When have they ever said anything about, about, about the working classes or, or, or social mobility or redistribution well, of wealth? they've said a lot. Or, they're against it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't like working-class people because they think they all voted for Brexit and drive around in white vans. Right, and just because that's snobs. true doesn't mean they shouldn't like them. <laughs> you with your controversial statements. No, again. no, they're, they're my people. I was You're joking. on a roll, Nick. More controversial statements from the Sunday Star, Nick. Mm -hmm. And this is about a homeowner not happy. Oh, yes. Uh, this was actually Andrew's story, so I didn't bother learning that much about it. But I'll do my best. <laughs> Residents fury after being asked to pay 82000 a year for wooden frame by the river. So it's essentially a rubbish... Uh, park they have to maintain and they didn't ask to maintain it they didn't want to maintain it but they're being asked to it's kind of like in my building that they keep putting up the service charge and we're like but the lift's always broken so what's all about Andrew what do you think because you probably I think you should you, well I mean it's a hundred not really it's 108 pounds uh, each resident has to pay as this annual service fee and it doesn't sound great like it's a it's a, a wooden climbing frame which mm. is fairly you might get splinters though I'm not I'm a bit concerned about that picnic table a bench and two bins 
You know, but the thing about that is that sounds like it could be quite useful, but I think you'd have to be consulted first, wouldn't you? Yes. Because if you're going to have to pay 102 pounds a year, which people can ill afford in these current uh, climate, uh, I think they should have asked them about it before. Also, doesn't it show what a racket these local authority services are, that it costs that much just to give some wood a lick of paint once a year? I mean, honestly, I know someone who could have knocked that up for like a fiver, you know, easy. and you wouldn't have, easy, you know, they're just not going to the right sources. Bureaucracy, right. you see. Well, there you go. Look, uh, let's finish with this one. And this is bureaucracy in the extreme. Charles Bronson, dubbed Britain's most notorious prisoner, says he'll be set free ahead of his parole, according to Sunday's star. Nick, could he seriously get out? It sounds like it. And as such, I'm going to be very careful what I say about him. Uh, because um, <laughs> He'll come after you. Yes, indeed. There's a headline. Charles Bronson insists he'll be set free ahead of notorious lags parole hearing. So... He might actually get out his claiming, and I'm a little bit worried because he, he let's, let's, my favourite one, favourite's a strange word to use about a brutal attack, but in 2014, because he's a Spurs fan, he covered himself in Lurpak, not because he's a Spurs fan, uh, to attack 12 prison officers because Arsenal had just won the FA Why Cup. Why do you cover yourself in Lurpak? You're too slippery for them to, to oh, do I thought it was like a fetish thing. No, no, you, they okay. slip around and you're punching them and they're all sliding around. It's a good tip, I'll take that on board. Yeah. Well, he did the exact same thing in 2010, well, the, but it worked. Because the thing about him is, so he, it, you know, he had his sentence, he was a very, very violent man, uh, but they, they, he keeps getting extended because of the violence he commits in prisons and he's yeah. known as... But I used to, when I lived in Aberystwyth and when I was a teenager, we used to walk past the house he grew up in every day. People used to point over and say, that's, that's Charles Bronson's house. That's the, that's the most evil man in Britain's house. It was quite chilling. It had a chilling effect on me. Well, Andrew, on the flip side, he can still do 95 press-ups in 30 seconds. Well, look, what, which is impressive. I can do a bit more, but, you know, he's 70. He's 70 years old now. And I think, you know, it's this question of do we believe in uh, rehabilitation? I mean, I, I yes. like to think that anyone... Uh, can can reform. I, I don't think anyone. But is, is it is it rehabilitation? If as recently as 2014, you were covering yourself in Lurpak and beating up police. I, I mean, I don't think covering yourself in Lurpak is a very good look anywhere. I think I judge that just aesthetic. Well, I, I quite like butter, so I hate it. Really, I, I, it makes really me feel. Like Ill. I would, I would find him quite lickable. <laughs> I think you know if he used any other condiment, maybe a, a nice marmalade or something, I would have gone. Really, back. if I was hungry, I'm you would think, look. You're a monster, but go on then. Let's have a go. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting strategy when it comes to the fight. Maybe he, he probably learned that from those uh, 200 gay... Uh, the, uh, the, gay the, army. the gay army. Yeah. In, in, if he in did Greece. get out, I mean, there'd be a book deal. Serialisation in the Mail on Sunday. They've had worse, haven't they, on their books? Are they allowed to? Are ex-criminals allowed to write about their crimes for Let's money? See, why not? Oh, or make... Jeffrey Archer. I mean, you, you're talking about oh, yeah. the proceeds of crime I mean, act, but that yeah. would have been money that they made from breaking the law oh, previously. Oh, I see. Okay, no, they, I'm getting confused. I can't that. imagine that there's any reason why they couldn't profit from their previous crimes. No, and there's going to be a film about it. Uh, the Jungle, I'm a Celebrity. Ah, yes, that's yeah, true. I think so. Yes. Matter of time. Mike, Michael Bay profits from Transformers. That was a terrible crime, that film. Gosh. That Horrendous. Against, against the whole of humanity, that's... A few hours I won't get back. Uh, my thanks to the amazing Nick Dixon and Andrew Doyle. Of course, we're back tomorrow with more front pages. That'll be Monday's papers in headliners at 11. And I'm in the hot seat from nine. See you then. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.